0: hello hello wonderful people you've tuned into yet another captivating episode of the first generation professionals podcast my name is Sophia banuelos and i am absolutely thrilled to be here today all set to embark on an enlightening conversation with a truly exceptional individual i won't reveal too much just yet you'll soon discover who she is But let me tell you, I have had the privilege of connecting with an inspiring woman who's on the cusp of completing her bachelor's degree in the spring of 2023. She's a remarkable woman who's faced adversity head-on, navigating the challenges of being a first-gen college student with grace. And now she's preparing to embark on the next exciting chapter of her journey, pursuing a master's degree. Today, I am honored to introduce you to the incredible Haley Rezo. So, of course, if you are an individual who is also a first-gen student, an aspiring graduate, or simply curious about the experiences of others, I am happy to let you know that you are in the right place. So, let's just jump in. Awesome, awesome. So, Haley,
1: can you tell the viewers a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so my name is Haley. I'm a fourth year psychology major and sociology minor. I'm a first generation student and I'm working towards being a family marriage therapist under hopefully going to CSUN, but we'll see about that in the fall.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so what motivated you to pursue this career path and the field of work that you're going?
1: Yeah, so going to college was something that was very Pushed in a good way, um, especially from my grandma. I come from a Hispanic uh, family on my dad's side, so going to college was something that wasn't done before, and she was very excited when I wanted to go into a field that required education. Um, I wanted to go into psychology pretty early on. Um, I took it as a high school elective, so that was kind of my push to go in this field. So once she heard that it was a college-bound um, pathway she kind of pushed that that which was good it was good for me I wasn't like I had to go and be a lawyer or like go into med school it was a very like easy we're here for to support you um, and then I wanted to be a marriage family therapist specifically because I just think you know nature nurture as a psychology major like your environment shapes you and if your environment starts with your family and that's not safe, or if that's not stable, then who knows how that's going to shape you and form you later on. So I think that family bounding is really important. Um, And then also because I come from parents that separated. So also like, you know, so much could have been prevented and changed if they did consider going to therapy. So I just think um, anyone can benefit from therapy. I think the family environment is so important early on. So trying to support couples and um, families, and that would be like a full circle kind of like dream of mine to help with
0: that is absolutely amazing thank you for that thank but you've you. been based on um the importance of therapy and i feel like the importance is really coming out slowly but surely but i think everyone could benefit from therapy me personally mm-hmm. i go to therapy and it's <laughs> so good like you don't necessarily
1: need a reason to go to therapy at that's a huge misconception of like, well, nothing happened, so why go? And it's, it's also just someone to talk to, you know. It's someone to bounce yeah. ideas off of. You can. There's always room for growth, and I think that's a huge, a huge like talent you can have once you realize it that you can go so far with just a little support.
0: Yeah, I couldn't. I could not agree more. You will change lives. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so did your identity as a first generation student influence any of your choices going into higher education? And for example, this would mean declaring your major or attending a particular university?
1: For sure. I think everyone kind of reached for the stars, quote unquote, when they applied to um, undergraduate school. I know a lot of people who got into UCLA and UC Santa Barbara, and I just kind of knew... I couldn't, if that makes any sense, I kind of knew that I didn't have the resources and how to write a personal statement and how to present myself in an interview if needed that other students might have gotten from their parents, which is, I don't hold anyone to that. Um, I also knew, I also looked into schools that were kind of Hispanic-oriented or serving and did have a lot of first-generation students because I knew I needed that support So when I got into CI, I applied to the Dolphin Scholars Program. I believe it changes names sometimes throughout the year. Um, As of now, I think it's Dolphin Scholars, and I've been under Venus for three to four years now, and she's been a huge, a huge help in knowing what I'm doing. She helps me pick out classes every year, and she kind of makes sure I'm on the right track. So I wanted to pick a university that had those resources because I knew that I couldn't do it on my own, I think that was the full question. (laughs) Yeah, no, you answered
0: it beautifully, so thank you. Yeah, just ensuring that you do have those resources, and I think that's really cool that you took, you took the initiative to just research all of that as well, because a lot of people just, I would say don't, or I think it's safe to say just don't, it's like, you know what, like, I don't really know how to write a personal statement, so I'm going to apply to a CSU, so it's like really, it's, like that when I was applying I applied to UCs as well but I had no idea what I was doing with the personal (laughs) statements like I had to I had to go to my high school like counselors and ask for help Mm -hmm. no you you answered that beautifully so thank you um when you did get to to CI and you did mention dolphin scholars and I didn't even know that that was a thing so (laughs) That's cool. Um, Were there any professors or additional mentors during your time as a student that significantly impacted your intellectual
1: development? I think I owe a lot of my success to um, Leo's son. He's under the MDC department. Um, I worked with him and Venus tightly in sophomore year because I started as a freshman and it was online so um, once I got in sophomore year Venus um, promoted the job, not promoted, but offered the job and told me to apply. And then I was working under Leo. And I had a lot going on for personal reasons, um, a lot of family stuff that I kind of briefly mentioned earlier. So Leo was just a huge support in helping me just with everything. I didn't know how FAFSA worked. I didn't know how to change FAFSA. I didn't know like how they calculated it, because how they find out what how much money you get is a crazy process. I couldn't even explain it. And I've had it explained to me like multiple times, just a lot of things that, you know, I feel like a baby deer trying to walk like I couldn't, I wouldn't even know where to start with some of the concerns I was having. So he was a huge resource and just either connecting me to others, if he couldn't help, he would push, like I was trying to get in contact with financial aid, and they just wouldn't answer their emails or phones and he would like personally like reach out and push for me um to meet him have a meeting and try and figure things out so I I, poor thing I go to an office like whenever the site is inconvenient I'm like Leo you'll never guess what happened and I have to like walk in and like update him so he's a huge huge resource um and I just had I've learned so much from him during my jobs because I went into the Dolphin Scholar program which is for First generations, usually it's a program you apply for your freshman year. I'm not sure if they're taking people after that. It kind of happens in like cohorts. Um, But I worked for them to help other first year, first generation students. And that was a huge like full circle because I feel like I could have. I was giving back Um, and since then I've moved positions whenever departments change because they seem to change all the time. But um, Leo was a huge, a huge resource just to help me navigate what was going on and he was also a big push to talk to professors because I didn't know how important it was to make that connection to get the letter recommendation or go to office hours, you know, that is so nerve wracking. I've never been to office hours, you know, I've never <laughs> been to a professor. So, you know, like the authoritative kind of um, difference was intimidating. So he was the one who pushed me to go. And then that's when I met um, Natalie Gray. She's under the psych department. She's so sweet. Um, She really solidified that I could do this because I was trying to explain like what I wanted to do when I didn't know what field I wanted to go to. And, you know, going straight into a Ph.D. was very nerve wracking. So maybe taking graduate graduate school and then going up by there was easier. But she was a huge, a huge resource. And she just understood what it was like to be um, in this field. I believe she was a first gen as well, if I remember correctly. But if not, don't quote me on that. But she was so yeah, she was, like, the very the solidifying reason, like, I could do it, and I could stay in education, and was, like, the really big, like, pusher in that department, specifically. Shout
0: out both of them. Shout out Leo, I, especially.
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. He's He didn't go to Leo's son. He, love, he, like, works in Bell Tower.
0: He <laughs> <laughs> like, start, you like, Bell Tower 1528, like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's, that's so wonderful. I'm very happy that you were given those resources, so much so that, because they impacted you in such a grand way. Like you are now like, I want to impact people in the Mm -hmm. same manner, so that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, So you mentioned these professors and these mentors such as Leo and such as your professor. Um, Were there any internships or just programs that you infused yourself
1: in? So club wise, I joined Active Minds my sophomore year, I wanna say. And then after that, I actually became the vice president of Active Minds because the boards were changing. So that was a huge step to take. Um, It's a national organization that works independently with colleges. So we're like the college representatives that um, work to destigmatize mental health. So we talk about like mindfulness and things like that. So that was a huge role that I was so excited to play because especially mental health coming from like a Hispanic background and a first generation background, like sometimes mental health is kind of swept under the rug and put some apple vapor ricks and you'll be fine, you know, kind of mentality. So that was a fun role for me to step into and something that I could really embrace and try and like push to others that it's okay to have the discussion. And then recently I got an internship with the CAPS department, the counseling and psychological services. They are so, so sweet. And now I'm a mental health peer for um, CAP. so we don't work clinically, we just do um, like student one-on-ones. So we work to have, help students build skills in presentation anxiety and test anxiety, roommate conflict, kind of situations that students would understand and know how to help more than staff, just because there's kind of a big age cap and disconnect between um, students and staff of what we're going through. So... Those two programs have been really helpful. Also, similarly helping me like realize that I could do this because I had a lot of um in, like imposter in syndrome, whatever I always forget what it's called. Um, so those two things have helped me like solidify that like I can do it. And these organizations have really pushed me to like keep doing it and like keep doing it for other people.
0: Well, one, congratulations, VP <laughs> internship. <Thank> you, <laughs> Yes. What 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 is she doing?
1: <laughs> Come join us Wednesdays at 6:30. Okay, I'll be there. Active Minds.
0: <laughs> Even if you don't go to CI, go follow the Instagram page.
1: Come say hi. We'll <laughs>
0: we'll link resources. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for that. Active Minds. I've heard about that club around um, campus. I've never joined it. Um, but that is absolutely amazing. And I really and in- I'm very grateful that you also touched base on the fact that. In a lot of households, usually Hispanic households, it's like mental health, like just like you said, sweep it under the rug. But it's it's more than that, and especially coming from a psych major herself, who is also um, experiencing stuff like this. Like thank you for touching base on that because I mean, ninety a good chunk of us always do sweep it under the rug. Like okay, it's fine, like it's whatever. But thank you and imposter syndrome as well. So um, thank you, thank you for that. Of course. Um, Can you elaborate on how how that involvement shaped your academic journey and career path? So did it help you realize that this is my passion and this is what I want to pursue?
1: I believe that the internship under CAPS really put it into perspective because we actually have one-on-ones with students, not at a clinical level, of course, but it kind of shaped what it could look like at a clinical level, just talking about different topics, of course, and just connecting with the students and working with them one-on-one and like seeing their growth and just their passion and it too just kind of refuels my passion in what I'm doing because um, being a family marriage therapist I was always nervous because I was never the best with kids I was the youngest in the family so I never got to interact with them um, but after having this like just the connection and seeing people growth was so important to me and it kind of put into perspective that if this is what I'm doing, just talking about different topics, like I could do this and I could do this long term because when I first started psychology, I wanted to go in the clinical level um, and then after talking with various professors and people in that field, it didn't really seem long term because it seems, um, especially in a private practice, it definitely, um, a lot of stories about professors who like quickly stopped their private practice or had to find other ways to balance things and after hearing that, that just wasn't for me. So um, after deciding to go into MFT, which was kind of sad because I loved clinical and I still love clinical to this day, um, doing the internship really solidified that I could do this. And just because I changed the topic or the demographic I'm working with doesn't mean that I can't like enjoy what I'm doing. So I'm very excited to, it's a long road to be a licensed therapist, but um, I'm really excited that that started, I consider it starting at CI under that department so that was a huge a huge push for me
0: awesome thank you and it may be a long road but you can do it and you are doing it so
1: that's (laughs) definitely worth
0: it yeah without a doubt especially in the long term as well um also So you actually mentioned previously the importance of building these connections with professors. So what kind of challenges did you find in building networks and connections within the humanities field as a first-gen student?
1: I think one of the challenges that I faced was just having the courage to talk to them. Sometimes in classes, especially office hours, I wouldn't have questions or I didn't know I had questions until the test came up, of course. But just trying to find a question and a thing to talk about for office hours just to connect um, was nerve wracking. But once again, shout out Leo. He was like, just go say hi and introduce yourself and just, you know, try and find a common factor and just talk about it. Just ask how they got there and their journey. And that advice really helped me come out of my shell and connect to all my professors. So since then, every semester, if it's a class that um, is like very psychology oriented Um, during the first week of office hours I try and go in just to say hi see how their road was see if they went to you know graduate school then PhD just PhD what they studied in Um, that way you really know who to connect with early on since if you do want to go to um, higher education as graduate school or PhD you do need letter recommendations and they do prefer they don't say this they prefer letter recommendations from your professors in the field you're going into. So since I want to go into family marriage therapy, I connected with a um, a parenting professor very early on because I knew I kind of needed that like connection in, um, but it was very nerve wracking, especially if you're doing bad in the class. I had a course, I wasn't doing bad necessarily, but you know, I wasn't doing straight A student at the moment and it was just nervous going in being like sorry I didn't do well but can we talk so um I've never had a professor that was rude during office hours though so if anyone listening is nervous about it I've never had a bad experience in office hours or the professor Um, I think I answered that correctly
0: (laughs) you did you did thank you and like building those connections with your professors one well, I have two following questions, not mm-hmm. really a part of the script, but um, you mentioned that when pursuing higher education as a master's or a PhD, whatever whatever you wanna pursue, um, they prefer um, letters of rec from your professors. So I personally wanted to ask like, where did you hear that from? Because that just goes to show one, the hidden curriculum. I didn't mm-hmm. even know that, <laughs> that's one. And two, like you're learning these from, I'm assuming your resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are like assisting you because they have gone through it themselves.
1: For sure. So I, when I was trying to switch between clinical and um, marriage family therapy, I reached out to just the professor I was most comfortable with. She's not necessarily connected to any of those fields. She's a social, sorry, social psychologist. Was her study, but she she knew what what was going on, um, and she kind of broke it down and. Just like told me her experience and what they liked. They needed, you know, in graduate school, it sounds very daunting, but like A's are doing good and like B's mean you're struggling and like little tips like that. She just kind of walked me through by telling me her experience. And then I actually found a professor, um, Professor James, Dr. James Morrison, who went to CSUN Northridge, yeah, California. <laughs> California State University Northridge um, which is where I wanted to go so I was just very asking like what was the culture like what were the resources like what was the application process and he's the one where I learned like yes they ask for letter recommendations and they ask your GPA but the letter like letter recs need to be like kind of honed in and that's where I learned that um, your letters are rec they, I, they like score you on your letter recommendation on like leadership and creativity and how you did in the class. And I had no, I thought they were just going to talk about me in the class and how I got a good grade or I got, you know, I had a good research presentation, but they like score you. And I had no idea. Um, I know recently I also am taking a course. It's psychology for 11. If anyone is interested, it is a navigating through careers in psychology course. So it is just breaking down how to write a cover letter, and how to write a resume, and what's a CV, which is like a resume but for academics. And I had no, I've never been so lost in a class before, but it's really nice, especially if you're like a sophomore, junior, wanting to go in because the assignments are writing your personal statement, and are writing your resume, and you do get feedback on it. That way, when it's time to apply, you just kind of revise what you wrote in class, and then submit it. So that's also been a huge resource. I believe this is the first year is being taught, um, but definitely connecting with professors that are either went to the same school you're interested in, or have the same field as you and also resources like classes and um, dolphin scholars, even if you're not a member, they're more than welcome to like chat. So things like that were really, it was crazy how much I've learned this past semester than I feel like I've learned like (laughs) my whole like four years as a first gen.
0: So many things that you said right mm-hmm. there, so helpful. That's number one. Two, um, like, I don't even know where to start. Like you just you just started saying so much stuff. And one, I think it's very cool that you want to pursue um, the masters. And I also you are bridging it into my next my next question, actually. So thank you for. Answering my personal question mm-hmm. um, you started mentioning resources and do you feel that the resources you were provided equipped you to succeed post graduation?
1: I think they do to an extent. I think a lot of the resources that I've utilized are pushing me to graduate and to get into post grad, which are great resources and I am forever thankful to everyone I've like met with. Um, the career center and all that, they've been great. Um, I think I've only heard personal experiences in graduate school. Um, Some people thought it was better than undergrad, they thought it was easier than undergrad and it's gonna be great. And some of them just went straight into PhD and that's the field they took. So I feel like I've been prepared the most I could be. Um, I was kind of broken down what the marriage family therapist program looks like either a full-time position or a part-time position Um, so I feel like I've been I've been prepared more so to finish CI and get into graduate school but I think getting there and starting is going to be a whole different field Um, especially financial wise I think that's something that I've asked a lot about and like kind of no one knows slash like don't know the right answer so that's been a really big factor and like especially for first generation um because from my understandings master's schools or graduate schools are not federally funded and after I heard learned that I was it kind of freaked me out and I was like maybe I don't want to <laughs> maybe I want to take a gap year things like that so it's all about reaching out because every program in graduate school is different um i also can't talk i've yet to do this but um just reaching out and like resources are here even if you haven't graduated yet and you know what school you want to go to and you know the program you want to go to you can reach out while you're at ci and before you graduated just to get more information you can probably meet with someone and talk about um options and what it's going to look like in detail um I feel like CI itself I feel like it kind of they do as much as they can and then the rest is kind of like when it happens if that makes any sense
0: that makes absolutely perfect sense yeah um one thing this is for the viewers go ahead and take your notes because this is great advice in relation to the master's program financial resources and just how to get connect your mentors to Yes, it really is about reaching out like like how you said to the schools that you're interested in because I also didn't know that masters is not federally funded. So that's that's probably something good to know. It's crazy. Um, you would I I mean I wouldn't think otherwise. Like I would think it's just like undergrad. So thank mm-hmm. you for putting me on that new information. <laughs> Learn the PhD
1: different. programs are funded if anyone's interested. <laughs> it's, Thank you. Thank you. it's crazy that did I see, I didn't know the difference and why things are funded or not, but that would mm-hmm. be a
0: that'll be a question for a different day. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. Um, and reaching out, of course, like you said, to the schools themselves, to those who have gone through it personally, like how you did with those professors and those mentors. And just utilizing the resources around you. Like you mentioned the Career Center. I love the Career Center. They're so, so good. good. They're, they're so good at what they do. That is one of the programs on campus that uh, I feel like their budget needs to be higher. Like it's so good. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you for telling everybody um, just what's helped you and the resources that they could utilize to succeed after undergrad. So we have a few more questions because this interview is broken up into three. So there's academic journey, there's first generation related questions and then personal questions as well. So we have, we're have we going into the last few for the first part. So how has your education influenced your worldview, critical thinking skills and slash or personal growth?
1: Um, I would say that I am very fortunate that I went to a quote unquote, college prep high school. Um, I know a lot of access, it was like a new, they're called like new tech based high schools, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, But that was a huge push for me to go to college because it was very presentation based. And you know, instead of sitting down for an hour and a half taking an exam, which you do, of course, do in college, they also taught critical thinking skills and presentation skills. So I think that was my big push in education. But even here, I feel like, especially with the positions I've had with the MDC under Leo and with CAPS, you have to you have to use utilize others and you have to ask for feedback or you'll never grow if you don't ask what your mistakes were and how you can improve. And that can go for professors do. If you ever feel like you didn't do well in an exam, like just break it down with a professor or you can um, speak with like a learning specialist um so I know that in my position specifically especially in I feel like in the psych department you kind of are aware you have to grow like you kind of need other people to tell you what you made a mistake on or what you can improve on or otherwise you might not (laughs) grow as fast as you could and there was another topic you mentioned in the question but I forgot
0: no worries, no worries. Um, the question was, how has your education influenced your worldview, critical thinking skills, and slash or personal growth?
1: I feel like from my worldview and my personal growth kind of go hand in hand. I feel like my experience at CI, just in the departments I work at, and even in psych, that you never know what someone else is going through. And I, you know, being a commuter school, it's kind of people are a little more quiet, people are a little more timid, um, which there's nothing wrong with. But Seeing those people and having conversations with them and really trying to work with them to reach out to that club or reach out to that professor is such um, something that I'm thankfully that I found easy based on my high school experience. But knowing that other people went to um, more traditional and mainstream high schools, that's not the situation for everyone. So especially in the departments I work at, you never know what someone else is going through. You never know someone else's circumstances. So just being aware of that whenever even talking with someone, if someone ever comes across rude, I've learned, especially from my excite classes, just to assume positive intent. Um, most people don't mean what they mean. If it comes across rudely, they mean it in a positive way. Um, and I feel like as a worldview, especially being a first gen, I'm thankful. But then I also have like my jealousies of like <laughs> non first gen students. Um, and I feel like that's just a balance on working on yourself and also going back to getting that feedback and um Working on yourself and knowing that you're never limited. There's always someone who knows the answer and there's always um, someone to talk to, whether that's clinically or just like a friend.
0: That was great. Thank you so much. Um, A little like sub component of this question. Were there any barriers that you had to overcome in higher education and how did you navigate them?
1: I feel like Financial aid was definitely a little goofy to me at the beginning of my academic career. Um, For some context, my parents separated when I went into college, so I had to redo my FAFSA after it was due. And it took like six months for it to go through. So that full six months was out of pocket, um, taking out loans and things like that. And, you know, tying back to the resources, you just have to talk to people to get help figuring it out. And um, that's where Leo came in. Shout out Leo again. Um, so that was a huge barrier. And then, you know, especially being first gen, it makes you think like, is it worth it? Like, are the loans worth it? Are taking out, you know, having this much debt already worth it? But um, I'm not one to tell you if it's worth it or not, because who everyone's experience is different. But just know that whatever you're leaning to, there is someone who can help you think it through. And I want to reassure that I've never had someone push me to stay here, or push me to do something I didn't want to do. Because you know, financial aid is hard. Um, But just knowing your options. No, I think, I guess the only advice that I can give with financial aid that I kind of know is that the more you understand about what loans you're taking out, the easier it is to take them out morally because I feel awful I was like my poor dad I just took out like $12,000 worth of loans and I don't even I'm like, like at the time I was still a minor like what like my poor dad had to like co-sign for this um but just understanding what loans you are taking out and really understanding the interest and how to pay them back, which I guess is a whole different conversation. Um, but just the more you can educate yourself in that, regardless for me personally, really helps me feel morally comfortable like doing this and continuing my education. So I think, yes, the financial situation, they're just, they're a pain to begin with, <laughs> not them specifically, but just the idea of paying to get through college is crazy. So that'd be my biggest barrier between education.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for that. I think from the previous people that I have inquired about this with, like, what's your, what's the biggest barrier? And I think that that is one of the first few times that I've actually received that because paying for college is so hard. Like, no way it's like 20 grand to go to a a CSU. If you dorm, like, oh my goodness gracious. So Thank you for touching base on that. And really it is getting educated on finances. I think it's so important for everyone. Well, I'm a business major, so I might be biased, but like am fine bias the topic. Okay, fine. <laughs> it is so important just to understand loans and interest, EARs, APRs, like all everything under the sun. So, thank you so much. Like I could not thank you enough for touching base on that. But that did conclude the academic part of our interview and we'll now be going into the first generations um, questions so what does being a first generation student mean to you
1: i think it means kind of creating a pathway um, growing up college wasn't something that was talked about a lot um, just because my family didn't go through it But going through it really solidified the importance of college, depending on your field. Of course, not everyone needs to go to college, um, and college isn't for everyone, and that's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I just think being a first gen means, you know, making mistakes, and that's kind of the mentality that's really helped me through college, because, you know, I'll do an exam, I will forget to attend a meeting or whatever, and it kind of is reassurance that I'm like, well, I'm a first gen and I'm trying my best and I'm working with what I know. So kind of giving myself a little wiggle room, for lack of better words, um, has helped me. But I think being a first gen just is, you know, it's okay. It's it's a process and it's a it's a growth. It's a learning process that um, that's okay to make mistakes in. So.
0: Yeah, we're learning as we go, and I feel like when people Tell themselves that they're like, Well, no, because if I say that, then that might be I'm not working hard. But no, like, we are human, like, even people who are not first gen, like, it's okay to miss a meeting for an <laughs> X. So, thank you. Like, just be kind to yourself in the end of the day. Mm. And I will be taking a lot of this into the rest <laughs> of my day with me. I hope you know that. I'm <laughs> yeah. um, glad. Do you feel that your experience as a first generation student shaped your understanding of your own identity and cultural heritage?
1: I think it did, especially at CI, um, just because they do have like a Hispanic, a large Hispanic population. Um, the college closest to me was predominantly white, which is nothing wrong with. But I wanted to choose a college that, you know, celebrated each other. Um, I feel like me specifically, I was kind of like whitewashed. Um, So I didn't, you know, growing up, I didn't learn Spanish. I didn't have a quinceañera. I didn't like do very traditional Hispanic things, but the people around me were and the community I lived in were. So I feel like I missed out. So coming here really kind of like healed my inner child just because seeing everyone, everyone, not even just Hispanics, like um, Asian-American Pacific Islanders are celebrated and just seeing, especially working for the MDC, just being hands-on and celebrating these people and their cultures um, was a huge kind of passion for me because I feel like I missed out growing up. That's just me. Um, (laughs) But I think it was important for me to look for a school that did have this connection just because I knew it would help my push and like continuing to stay in school.
0: That's great, yeah, celebrating our own differences, but also our similarities is amazing, especially being at CI, which is predominantly like a Hispanic demographic. So mm-hmm. I also don't know Spanish and I'm Hispanic, so <laughs> me too. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that. Were there any moments or experiences that stood out to you where you felt the impact of being a first-generation student? So, any challenges in terms of that, like that's accompanying with being a first gen, and how did you handle those?
1: I think, like reading your car report, which is like where what classes you need to take and by when. I was it's like looking at a different language. It was, it was, it was crazy to start with, um, and also knowing what classes to take and by when. Going into college, I didn't know you. Like I know you had to required like English and language and, you know, math, but I didn't know you're required to take XYZ, like, psych-oriented course. So, like, picking classes, I think the first semester, I just picked fun classes that I wanted to take, and none of them were attributing to, like, graduating, and none of them were attributing to um, anything, really, besides just being credit. So, I think, again, just, just reaching out, and I know it's scary at first, but just reaching out and asking what other students are doing, what other classes they're taking and reaching out to. I know I was lucky enough to be in a program, but just you can reach out to people in that program or um, chairs and deans of your like academic department um, and just kind of help in how to, you know, how to read a car report. Because once you realize how to read it, it, like read it, it's kind of self-explanatory. Not self-explanatory, but like you know, it, it's easier once you are explained how to read it. Um, so I think picking classes was a pretty um, was a huge like kind barrier but it was just a huge it was a huge learning experience that i didn't realize i needed before going into it you know you have to you have to make a couple mistakes before you before you really learn but
0: thank you thank you thank you for that car report that was my enemy in the beginning so <laughs> thank you for mentioning that for those who don't know what a car report is um like haley mentioned it's essentially a big honestly like it's a list of classes you need to take but it's it's put like so not simply (laughs) to say the least like there's a bunch of shapes a bunch of colors and (laughs) Mm -hmm. red means like no you haven't taken it which is self-explanatory at first but then it's you just have to sit with it for a couple of minutes Mm -hmm. and then after that then it's more on the self-explanatory side so
1: it's overwhelming seeing what you have to do especially as like a first or second year student like everything is red everything is incomplete and like that was so just like discouraging going in so exactly
0: it's like okay i'm never gonna get done but you're (laughs) done like you're gonna graduate so thank Mm -hmm. you for mentioning that um Were there any specific resources or support systems that you found helpful in navigating academia?
1: I think my experience in Dolphin Scholars was a huge push for me and I because they have workshops that are about like graduate school and how to apply and they have workshops about um, navigating careers and navigating classes so I think that again, shout out Venus, she was so sweet, Um, just being vulnerable, because you kind of have to be vulnerable, and the more you tell people what's going on, not people in particular, but like the more you tell your resources what's going on, the more they can help you, so you kind of have to push yourself out of your comfort zone, which is hard for me coming from a Hispanic background, we didn't talk about mental illness, we didn't talk about how stressed we were, or how much we had to do, so going into a meeting with someone that I've never met and just being like, here's where I'm at all around, like what, like what, like what do you have for me to do um, it was really difficult. But I know my experience in the Dolphin Scholar system was very beneficial and they helped me pick out classes and they made like a little it was they made their own like little car report that's like much simpler to read. So, um and they're always taking feedback too so if there, was ever, if there was ever something that i was like i didn't get this part they'd be like oh we'll just fix it next time so they were you know they were a huge a huge impact on me specifically and being a first generation i don't know honestly i don't know where i'd be without them
0: shout out dolphin scholars i
1: know <laughs> oh my goodness that's
0: that's a that's an amazing resource to have um and you've mentioned previously within the like I would say the introduction of this interview, how your family reacted to your decision in pursuing higher education. They're very happy you're gonna get that degree. Did you encounter any cultural differences between your family's expectations and your academic pursuits?
1: I think, I'm lucky where my parents didn't high have, excuse me, have high expectations. For me, in terms of going to be a lawyer or a doctor or a dentist, they weren't pushing me to do anything specific, but they were, you know, they were being very supportive, like, you can do it, and we're here if you need anything, of course. Um, I think my extended family, which is, um, I have to say this, more Hispanic than I am, if that makes any sense. They just have a more, a tighter connection to their culture. Um, They were like, well, what about your grandma? What about your mom? Like, what are you going to do about, you know when they get older and you're, you're going to, you know, you're not going to be home and you have to be home X amount of times. And it was just having that conversation of, they didn't understand college and there's nothing wrong with that. I didn't understand college. And I feel like sometimes I still don't, but, um, you know, when I say I have a paper due and they're like, okay, easy, you know, it's not so easy. And there's a lot that goes into it. So just trying to word those conversations of just, because they don't get it, and that's perfectly fine, but trying to word that (laughs) with your family um, was a little difficult for me, but I think just being honest, because if you're not, then you're just, like, stretching yourself too thin. If you're trying to be home every weekend, and you live on campus, and you're a full-time student, like, you know, you don't want to stretch yourself too thin where you're impacting other areas of your life, so... I'm lucky enough but that wasn't my immediate family. So if they were talking about it, I just kind of went home or went to school. But I know that's a really, that's a very um, real struggle for students.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. And um, yeah, like you said, you're going to spread yourself too thin. It's just ensuring that you have that balance. So Mm -hmm. thank you so much for sharing that personal experience with us. Um, So again, I just want to reiterate that If you're not comfortable with answering a question that is totally okay, the next question is, was your financial situation a factor in your decision to pursue college as a first generation student?
1: It definitely was, Um, I feel like I said this earlier, I feel like I kind of knew going to a UC was out of the picture just because of their um, difference in cost. Especially with my change, you know, before my parents separated, I was like, I can make this work and I'll take out loans. And the more research I the more research I did, the better I felt about it. And then after um, they separated, you know, like half of the finances are gone. And then what do I do with, you know, um, I worked like I worked like three jobs a year just to kind of like make ends meet. And that's nothing that is wrong. Um, and no one should feel pressured to do that even. Um so my financial situation was a huge um, indicator of where I went and then it was a a, a huge point. I believe it was my sophomore year, which was just, like questioning what, did I want to continue education? Did I want to spend this much money and like hope I get into grad school? So um, yeah, finances, I feel like is a huge, like first generation, um, like shared stressor.
0: Without a doubt, without a doubt, for that. but yeah, UCs, UCs are like one semester here. So thank you for crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. I wanted to go to UC as well, but I, I love CI. I love CI, but I love CI. finances, it was just like a CSU was the way to go.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If you don't mind me asking though, you said that you dorm,
1: um, I, where do originally from? I'm from San Luis Obispo County. Not a lot of people know, I'm from Nipomo specifically if anyone wants to look at a map. <laughs> uh, it's like two hours north yeah. for those That's, who aren't unfamiliar that is that is so crazy um one love slow two
0: <laughs> if you don't mind me asking why what made you come to CI and then not Cal Poly slow
1: um no shade to Cal Poly if anyone is listening to this um it just wasn't my demographic it was very From what i know and the people that i know no one come from me i know it's a great educational school um it's very predominantly white and the people that i knew personally who were also attending slow were people that i didn't want to be affiliated with um and they make you pay to live the first year even if you're from slow county and i was like i'm not paying to drive like I, drive, I live 30 minutes away like I'm not paying to live 30 minutes away um and then I also it was probably my lack of education I didn't understand their quarter system and I was um intimidated by it so I was like I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go to CI um and then the people I didn't know I did know who went to CI I also was more comfortable like continuing an education with them so my personal thing no shade to, no shade to Cal Poly I'm sure they're great <laughs> Yeah, no shade. Beautiful place, but
0: <laughs> yeah, it's where it's It is at. a gorgeous campus. Oh yeah, without a doubt. So ugh, I love slow So that's really cool that you are from Slo. Um, are you
1: from
0: Slo? I'm not. I'm from the San Fernando Valley. So my home csu wow. is CSUN. So I'm t- like I live 15 minutes away from CSUN. Oh wow, that's so exciting. So that's really cool that you're that you were interested in going there for your master's. So. If you have um, any advice, <laughs> let me know. No, but it's a beautiful school. I just came to CI because it's just a huge school. And CI is like mm-hmm. small. So.
1: Yeah, I like that small community that CI has.
0: Thank you for, that was my own personal question. That wasn't a part of no the.
1: <laughs> no worries.
0: Thank you so much. OK, so we are finishing up our first generation portion, and now we're going to get into the advice. So that should be fun. Um, just two more questions left. What advice would you give to other students as they embark on their journeys to professionalism who may share the same experience as you?
1: I think I think professionalism is such a fun topic because everyone interprets it differently. Um, I would say you have to find a balance of being yourself, but also, you know, presenting your best self, um, especially to professors. If you're asking for a letter of recommendation, you know they need notice, they need certain documents, they need to know you. You know, and if you come across a professional asking, they might just say no out the gate. So, I think being educated in like when it is to be, when it's like appropriate to be professional. Um, and what that looks like especially with students who you know started their education online or finished their education online that's a, like professionalism in person face-to-face looks differently than it does um online so i think you know you learn by watching so if you're ever like in an email thread with like two professors they discuss things very professionally and that's how i learned to like oh like i should have like an ending little thing how everyone has like their program they work with and their like email and phone number like that's so smart and I would have never noticed that if I just you know let things kind of go as they were but just being um observational and watching other people around you who you look up to or who you identify as professional and even just again just connecting with people and you can always ask um is this appropriate to say if I send this email is my wording correct does it come across kindly Um, it's, I know asking for feedback because, you know, no one likes to be wrong necessarily, but just the more you ask, the more you can grow. And I think that's a huge, um, advice in terms of professionalism.
0: Thank you. That was wonderful. So now if there was any piece of advice that you would give your younger self, what would it be?
1: Um, I would probably tell myself to breathe, um emotional oh my god I haven't even started talking yet um because I had a lot of family changes when I first got into high school No, excuse me I first got into college um and you know going through that while it's my first semester in school and everything just happened and you now I'm in a new place and I don't know a lot of people and I don't know what I'm doing as a first gen That's 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 terrifying you know and I feel like I had oh my god <laughs> I feel like I had one less parent behind me you know so oh my god I have even talked about this oh my god this is crazy <laughs> um you know just just breathe and the more you reach out and the more you are honest with yourself and with others the more others can help you so that'd be mine it'll be okay I know everyone says that as like advice in the future like oh it'll be okay it'll work out but you know just breathing and just being really just like really taking and being thankful for what you do have and what you do have control in is um probably my biggest my biggest push
0: that was lovely and thank you for being vulnerable with us so i i am truly grateful for it you are such a lovely person and very strong (laughs) and i'm very very extremely grateful to have met you you inspired me so i'm gonna be going the rest of my day head up i'm like yeah (laughs) I had the pleasure to meet Haley. Thank you very <laughs> much. So thank you so much for that.
1: Um, thank you. This was as, such a good, fun opportunity to be yeah. in, and I'm so grateful that I was connected with you. This is great. No, I
0: agree. I'm very grateful. As we close out, though, I have one final question. Um, if your journey as a first-gen student and professional could be captured in one song, um, what anthem would you choose to represent these challenges, these triumphs and perseverance that define your remarkable story? As we are producing this podcast on Dolphin Radio, we are going to use your answer to this question as an outro to the episode.
1: Oh my god, I have to like look at my Spotify. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> don't even worry, because
0: even if you need a little more time, you can go ahead and like email me later on because this I have to We had a senior song for my senior year in high school and i was like oh my god i was i was going through all of the spotify so
1: (laughs) there's no rush i just um, i might have to get back to that one because i love music i i love like so many artists i have to like i have to really i gotta really find a good one for this question meditate with the song so i know
0: no worries no worries so With no further ado though, thank you so much for taking the time, not only to meet with me, I'm very grateful to have connected with you, um, but to us also um, look for that song, like thank you for taking the time to like say, you know what? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna find a song that represents me and then my journey. So with no further ado, I will not keep you much longer. It was a privilege to meet you Haley and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.
1: Thank you so much. This is such a good project you guys are working on and I'm so thankful to be a part of it. And thank you guys for having me. I would love to stay connected, even if it's just like saying hi, passing by, you were such a pleasure to talk to. And this was such a great start to my day. Like I'm in, my head's in the clouds. I'm in a very, very good mood after this.
0: No, me too. And I also dorm, so I couldn't agree more. I would love to stay connected, so.
1: (laughs) Of course.
0: All right, well, I hope you have a great day and yeah as well all right beautiful people thank you once again for tuning into this episode of the first generation professionals podcast i hope you enjoyed this episode with Haley as much as i did it was truly a joy to gain insight into her experience and take the invaluable information that she has learned through her college experience Haley is proof that despite our life situation we can pave the way to our own success we are able to create our own future and inspire others who may share the same experience or backgrounds as us. If you enjoyed this episode, please go ahead and subscribe to this podcast and give us a follow on Instagram at firstgenprofessionals underscore CI. Catch you next time. Bye.